Now, this talk, um, everywhere you go in this world, everywhere you find yourself, be it classrooms or, or parents or whatever it is, you're going to need to know how to get along with people. And I have a little story here I want to tell you in the beginning. Um, it's an old story and a story from the wilds of Africa, and it's a beautiful story with a very good lesson. It's a story about a little boy and a little girl. And the little boy is, was maybe nine years old, and the little girl was maybe seven years old. And they had a terrible problem. And their problem was that they fought. They got up in the morning and they fought. All day long they fought, they bit, they scratched, they said mean things to each other. And this was a real problem because fighting can be painful and, and cause and cause a lot of problems. So the little girl decided that this is not something that they could keep doing as brother and sister. And so she went to the old man of the village who lived in a little grass hut at the edge of the village and he had a long white beard at least to his waist and his hair was long and white and his eyebrows were even long and white. So long and white that you could barely even see his eyes underneath him. And he lived by himself and he drank a lot of tea with honey and he sat on a big rock outside of his house sipping his tea when the little girl he was sitting there when the little girl went to find him and she said old man I have a problem and he just sipped his tea and said hmm and she said this is the problem I have a little uh, big brother and he's a real problem he fights and is mean and causes trouble and, and all these things and I want you to make me a magic medicine that I can give to my older brother and he'll be nice and quit fighting with me. And the old man said, Hmm! <clears throat> Opened up his eyes and looked at the little girl and said, What I need from you, young lady, I need you to bring me from the jungle three whiskers from the lips of a living lion. And the little girl said, What? Do you not realize that lions eat little girls? And the old man said, well, that would solve the problem then. <laughs> and didn't say anything else. He just sipped more and more tea. And so finally the little girl went home, kind of in a, in a huff, because there was no magic medicine. There was only lips and lions and whiskers, and these were not the answers she was looking for. Well, time went on, and she thought, you know what? She might as well go give it a shot, because, I mean, they're still fighting. So she went into the, her mom's refrigerator, and she pulled out a piece of chicken, like the stuff we had last night, kind of grilled and yummy. She smelled it. Smelled good. And she took it with her out into the jungle. And she walked into the jungle. And jungles are really, really spooky places. I mean, there's, there's all the regular animals that we know about, like snakes and that bite people. And some of them are so poisonous that you might even get sick just by looking at them. And spiders that are so big, they catch little birds in their webs and eat them, and maybe even a small child, I don't know. And noises, creepy noises, and th there's so many creepy things in the jungle, you can't even imagine it. And she went into this jungle, which is always dark, full of vines and hissings and growlings, and she went into this jungle and she walked, and she was looking for a lion. And she walked and she walked and she walked, and it was really, really creepy. And all of a sudden she came in the jungle to a big grassy area that had no trees. And on the other side of the grassy area from where the little girl was, there was a lion. And it was lying there under the trees, 
fast asleep. And it was a huge lion. It wasn't just your basic, normal, run-of-the-mill lion. This lion was as big as a small mini barn. And his mane was long and black. And the little girl thought to herself, this is my chance. He's sound asleep. I'll creep up on him and pull three whiskers from his snoring lips. So she took off her socks and her shoes, or her flip-flops. I don't think she was wearing socks. And she started creeping across that clearing as quietly as only a little girl creeping up on a hungry man-eating lion can creep. And she crept, and she crept, and as she walked, her little tiny bare foot sunk through the grass and landed on a little tiny twig, which is about the size of a matchstick. And when she landed on that twig, that little tiny twig broke and made the tiniest little noise you can imagine. So tiny, it sounded like maybe the cough of a fly or something. You would not have heard it unless you were a sleeping lion. And the lion opened up its eyes when that little twig went pop and it looked right directly into the eyes of that little girl. And the little girl looked right directly back. Because that's what happens when you wake up lions. You sort of automatically look at them. And the lion raised up its mighty, mighty head. And his eye, red eyes were bulging. And looked at that little girl and opened up its mighty, ginormous, tooth-filled mouth. And gave a roar. <laughs> that was so loud. It shook the very jungle. It was so loud and scared that little girl so bad, she dropped that piece of chicken and she started running for home because she knew she was just about to be eaten by a lion just like you would eat a chicken nugget. And she ran so fast. I've never seen anybody run this fast before. She ran so fast that sometimes when she came to a tree, she was going so fast she didn't even go around it. She just went right over the top. <laughs> and she ran all the way until all of a sudden she realized she was in her own backyard. And she realized she hadn't been eaten, which was really cool to the little girl at the time. And, 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 and she had survived. Well, she thought, you know, that was a pretty near-death experience. And she, but she realized that more than likely the lion had stopped in the clearing where she dropped that delicious piece of grilled chicken that was really good chicken last night. And she ate it, and the lion ate it, and that's why it hadn't eaten her. Pretty good deduction, I think. And so the next morning she thought she might as well try it again. No use fighting with her brother on and on. So she went into her mom's refrigerator and got out another piece of chicken. I don't know how her mom felt about all the chicken, but she got another piece of chicken. She went out into the woods, and she went to that very same clearing. And there was the lion again. So this time it wasn't sleeping. And she walked to the middle of the clearing and she set that piece of chicken on the grass and she turned around and she went back home. And she went the next day and she brought in another piece of chicken and she went even closer. And the next day and the next day until finally one day she brought a piece of chicken to that lion and she held it out in her right, her right hand, watched that lion open up its gigantic man-eating jaws, slurp that chicken off her hand and sit there chewing on the chicken. And she realized something very profound at that moment. And that was the fact that lions basically never, ever, ever brush their teeth. <laughs> and their breath smells a little bit meaty. 
Anyway, that's beside the point. Anyway, as the lion was drooling and slobbering and chewing up that chicken, she reached over with her left hand and she pulled three whiskers from the lion's lips and she put them in her pocket and she turned around and walked all the way back to where the old man was sitting by in, on the rock in front of his little grass hut, sipping his tea and thinking about deep, wise things. And she said, <coughs> Old man! And he opened his eyes and looked. He said, Oh, it's you. Did you bring my whiskers? Or the whiskers? And the little girl said, Yes, I did. And the old man said, Well, tell me all about it. And so she told him about going and how the lion had roared at her and how spooky the jungle was and how she'd stepped on that little stick, but how eventually she had made friends with the lion and had fed it the chicken with her own hand and pulled the, chi the whiskers from its living lips. And the old man said, hmm. And then he closed his eyes and kept on drinking his tea. And the little girl waited for about five minutes. And nothing really seemed to be happening. So she cleared her throat and said, <coughs> are you about to start on my medicine? My magic medicine? And the old man said, well, actually, there's no such a thing as magic medicine. And the little girl said, what? Why did you tell me to bring me the whiskers? And the old man said, because by doing that, you learned all that you need to know. If you go home and you treat your brother just like you treated that lion, you'll make friends with him just the same way you made friends with the lion. So the little girl thought that was really a cheap cop-out of this old wise man. But he was, what was she going to do? She went home and she thought about it. And she went into the refrigerator and she got out three or four cookies and a glass of milk. Pretty well every good project in this world starts with a refrigerator, just so you know. <laughs> and she got out cookies and milk, and she went into her brother where he was doing his, his Sunday school lesson. I think it was, maybe. There in his, in his, in his room, and she said, <clears throat> Dear brother, that's something like that, I brought you some cookies and milk. I, I don't know exactly what she said, but it was sort of along those lines. And her brother looked up from doing his Sunday school lesson, looked her right in the eyes, and said, be quiet and get out of my room! <laughs> now that would have really scared her not very long ago. But she remembered that the lion had not been very friendly the first time either. And so she just set the cookies on the little table with the milk and went back out of the room. And the next day she did something else for him. And the next day she did something else for him. And, and before long, a few days later, the little, his, her older brother came to her and said, <coughs> I've been thinking, little sister, that being we're brother and sister and all, we should really quit fighting. I, it came to me the other day. I feel like we should stop fighting. I, I know you've probably never thought of this, but, but I feel like <laughs> as an older brother, I should be an example. We should stop fighting. And that little girl was very, very smart. She realized that men sort of like to think that they came up with the idea themselves. <laughs> and she said... That's a really good idea. I hadn't even... Uh, um, I, I, that's a really good idea. I think we should stop fighting too. And you know what? They did. They fought a little bit, but not like before. And they were brother and sister. And not only that, they were best friends for the rest of their lives. Even after they went and got married and moved to Idaho and other churches or wherever they went, they were still good friends, best friends. And I, 
I think this problem that we sometimes deal with, the, the problem of dealing effectively with parents and board members and other teachers and, and all these things can look a little bit daunting sometimes. It can look as impossible as that older brother or it can look as terrifying as the lion and maybe even more terrifying. I know I've thought that sometimes if I could just have those little children and not have to deal with all the moms and dads and school board, it would be so much easier. But you know what? That's, that's not right. We need those people. Without the moms and the dads and the school board, we can't do a good job on our own. And, in fact, we can't do it on our own. We need those people. To be effective, we need those people. And we need to be on the same team. This is the fact. And now we know we need to be on the same team. We want to be on the same team. We, we, but how do we do that? How do we effectively stay on the same team? How does this actually work? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I, this talk is going to be very practical about ways and means of getting along with people. And, but I want to say something before I start on this talk. This world is fascinated, our modern world is fascinated with quick fixes and uh, a one-hour a one seminar on having meaningful relationships. I said this in my last class. It, we're, we're, everybody's fascinated with, with life hacks to kind of a, a quick fix for all these tough relationships. Show me a technique that I can use and I'll be friends with my board or something like that. And that doesn't really work. I'm going to talk about techniques today. But if your heart isn't changed, if you're not pure on the inside, if you, don't, if, if you have bitterness inside, if you have hate, if there's things inside of you that are dark and dirty, it doesn't matter how good at techniques you are. It doesn't matter if you know everything I'm going to tell you today. It's not going to be truly effective. So what I want to tell you today, and I wish I could tell you an hour, this one thing, be, be real and true on your inside. Have so much God in you that, that everybody who sees you only thinks of God. Be filled with Him and be real and true yourself. Pure and, 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 and godly yourself. And, and when you are that way, and I think we are, when you are that way, these techniques will work. They are very effective. But if you don't do that, if you don't take that initial step of getting it right, you're not going to be right, no matter how hard you try. So, I have, well, wait, we want to be on the same team. We have the same goal in mind, the goal of the student's well-being. We want that student to be prepared to build the kingdom of God. We want him to be prepared for life, to do the skills he needs to do. That's, we're on the, the school board, the teachers, the parents, we're all on the same team for that. We want that student to be prepared for a life-serving God. We have the same goal. We want to work together. How do we do it? Four points today that we're going to talk about. I'll read them to you and then we're going to go in depth on each one. Who are we dealing with? Number one. And I'll say these again so you don't have to write them all. But Number two. How do we become friends before there is a problem? Number three. How do we navigate a problem? Number four, how do we effectively effect a change? 
Now, before we go into this, I want to give you just a little something. As a teacher, we're in a unique spot. We have been hired by the parents and by the church. It's their school in a lot of ways. We are an employee in a lot of ways, in a sense. We are guests in our community often. Even if it's your home community, you're still, you're, it's a hired position. And um, so be very respectful. I don't know, I'm not going to go into that very long, but just keep that in mind. This is not necessarily your classroom. These are the parents' students. I mean, they had them after all. And, and it, the tr- you're, you're kind of a higher, in a higher spot. So keep that in, in your mind. Anyway, that was for free. Who are we dealing with? The first point. Dale Carnegie said, When we are dealing with people, let us remember we are not dealing with creatures of logic. We are dealing with creatures of emotion, creatures bristling with prejudices, and many times motivated by pride and vanity. I don't know. I mean, sadly, it is that way a lot of times, even in our churches where we feel it safe. A lot of times the parents who send their children to you feel vulnerable about sending their children to you. They don't. They, they want you to understand their children. They want you to. They want you to know little Fred's his how he does things, and they want you to understand him. And they're afraid that you won't. Um, they're afraid that you're, he's going to be missed in the crowd. They're also afraid sometimes that that their maybe training inconsistencies are going to show up in your class. I mean, you're going to see how how hard they've failed. Maybe it's that way. Or and sometimes there's parents who were fantastic teachers in their day, et cetera, et cetera. And they're sort of worried that you're going to mess up their really awesome program. I mean, this dumb little rookie from North Carolina, I mean, he's probably going to mess up my nice training program. There, all these things happen. And so, we, we sometimes make the assumption that these parents and the board and even us ourselves, are, we make reasonable decisions. We are, we are creatures of logic. We do the right thing. But that's not always so. Very often... We make decisions motivated by fear and by and by not knowing the other person and, and there's and distru- there's many things that that people make decisions on and if we realize that then it sort of helps. So realize these people are not perfect. There's some of the things they do are are not going to be right. Some of the things they do are not going to be what what should have been done. But that's okay. We're also like that ourselves. Um. Every one of us, though, no matter who we are, parents or teachers or teachers or parents about their students or the board, we have a desire in our heart to be appreciated. Um, you know how much you like to be appreciated as a teacher and, and loved and, and, and understood. The parents feel the same way and about their children and the board. We, we want to be understood and loved and appreciated. That's a, a, a human, that's how we do. But also remember, especially if you're going into a new community, you do not know these people. And the stories you hear and, and the things you might see or think you see might not be true. You do not know these people yet. Um, so which brings us to point number two. How do we become friends before there is a problem? And this, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but this is so very, very important. This, and this is our responsibility as teachers. We can't afford to skip this step because you know what? 
you're going to have some problems in your classroom. You're going to have them. And be proactive before there's a problem and learn to know the parents. Learn to know these people and the board before there's a problem. If you can, get into their homes. I know in this community when I taught here, they had a little a program where I went to one of the students' homes every week on Thursday night, a different one. And it was really good. Do that. See if you can make something like that happen where you're at because you need to get to know these people. And talk to them after church. Track them down. Well, I mean, don't track them down. Pretend to sort of bump into them. But, uh, <laughs> but just visit with them. Find out what they like. And these are just little tips. Find out what they like. If they were teachers or loggers or good cooks or who knows what, or they spent a year in the Dominican Republic, whatever you do, go and find out things about them and talk to them about them. Visit with them. And you know what? If you don't know a thing about logging, but one of your students has a dad that's a logger and you're a boy maybe or moms don't really log, whatever, go and maybe even study a little bit of logging. So you can talk to him about that. These are, these are uh, things that are well worth your time doing. Build a relationship. Be interested in what they're interested in. I know every, all of us, we're, every one of us, if I could ask you how, your summer and your plans, and you'd probably tell me how busy you are and how you know, the pressure's all around. And, and that's what we think about. That's what we're interested in. When I was in Bangladesh just last year, I got really, really sick. And when I thought I was getting better, I got this... this this abscess on my neck um, and it was maybe about the size of a basketball no maybe not <laughs> maybe it was more of an orange I don't know but it was pretty big and it hurt like crazy and I went to the local doctor there and I said please cut it open do something I can't really I can't bend my head and he said uh, he looked at it and peered at it and said I can't cut it open he said the blood veins are on the outside of this abscess and if I cut in there you're going to bleed to death and it's going in deeper and deeper and deeper and if you don't get it treated then it's going to go up into your brain and then you'll be dead and I want to tell you something there was a lot of important things that happened in those next couple of days meetings that I went to classes that I taught things that I did but I could think of very little about what was happening in my neck and the brain dead and the, the veins and all these things. They were filling my whole mind until I finally went to the big city and was able to get treatment and, and survive, mostly. And, <laughs> but, I, but it's sort of like that with people. We're so interested in our own world. The things that, you know, my toothache is way more important to me than, than the famine that's in China, you know. And, and, and so... As a little life hack to get, these, get to know these parents, be interested in what they're interested in. Find the things that are, that are hurting them. Learn to know, learn to understand the things that mean a lot to them. And learn from them. Show them that you care about them. These relationships, it sounds like a lot of work, and, and it is a lot of work sometimes, but they're solid gold later. If you can be friends with your parents, like friends with your parents, later on when you do have a problem, that problem is so much smaller. It'll save you so much time later. Because once that parent feels like you're the enemy, it's so hard to win them back. And that it's like a strong city, like the proverb says. So, so be, make friends with your parents first. And if you do that, you have got such an inroad to success And the board, too. Be that way. Um, Be genuinely interested in others, and they will be interested in you. Now, number three. How do we navigate a conflict? This is a big deal. 
We've done our homework. We've tried just as hard as we can. We've been the best teacher in the world. We've got as good as we could do. We got up at 6 o'clock. We've left, went for home at 7 o'clock in the evening. We've, we've worked so hard. And even after we did that and poured our heart into it and did the best we could, we have a problem. How do we deal with problems and conflicts? We'll determine whether we will succeed or fail. Benjamin Franklin said, I will speak evil of no man and all the good I know of everybody. Beautiful little nugget. Very simple and very hard to do. Um, but, but that's good advice. Speak the good you know of people and don't speak the evil that you know. Avoid arguments at all costs because even if you win, you lose. The old adage that says a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still is absolutely true. Benjamin Franklin said, If you rankle and contradict, you may achieve a victory sometimes, but it will be an empty victory because you will never get your opponent's good will. This is so very important. Sometimes teachers have a gift of gab. We can talk, and, and we, can, we can sort of bamboozle our way into and bamboozle parents. And, but if they're not on our side, if we don't have their good will, We've lost the story. We build, to support my teaching habit, we build mats, big wooden crane mats in North Carolina. And we took an order one time, a very small order for a very large broker based in Missouri. And we built thousands and thousands of mats for them and had a very good relationship with them. We took this little order of mats and we built them and we were starting to ship them. And we got a complaint from the customer. And we were like, like the mats aren't good enough and we were like this is weird i mean we never get complaints on our mats our mats are really good mats and so the 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 garnet wood man he came the broker garnet wood broker came out to our job and he and he looked at at our mat the mats we were building he said these mats look really good these are better than normal i don't know why the customer's complaining about it so he went back to the customer and and it boiled down to eventually the customer what he thought he bought was not what he paid for and not what the contract said at all he thought he bought a, a much better quality mat than what he actually did. And so we really tried to work with him on that, and we tried to, we ended up not doing that order. But I told the Garnett man something. I said, I said, why don't you just take him the contract, show him what he bought, and said, these are the mats, take them. He already paid for them. Take them or leave them. We're, you know, this is what the contract says. He said, he said, no, he said, because I would win this. Of course I would win it. That's what the contract says. I would get my money. He would get his mats. But he would never buy mats. The customer would never buy mats from me again. No matter how right I am, I don't want to lose that customer. Um, even if he was right, according to the contract, according to everything, he could have stuck that contract to that customer and made him take the mats. But he didn't because he wanted to be to have a relationship with that customer. And guess what? A few years later, there was a downturn, and most of the other mat brokers couldn't sell mats, but that mat brokerage company sold mats through most of it because of that attitude toward their customers. And I'm, many times as a teacher, you might be right, and you might be able to win that argument, but sometimes it's not worth it. Sometimes the cost is not worth it. Losing their goodwill is not worth winning some little point that you feel strongly about. Now, sometimes it is. Sometimes you, you have to, I don't know, you have to stick to what is right. There are times for that, but many times our pride gets in the way and we want to be right 
And when we're right, we want to shove it down somebody else's throat, but that's, that's not right. When somebody disagrees with you, try to hear what the person is saying and not the words that are coming out of their mouth, not just the words coming out of their mouth. I remember I was in this, this very classroom. I'm sitting here at my desk, and we just had a fantastic science class about landing on the moon. And I actually had a visiting teacher in here who had done a lot of studying on, on moon la- the moon landing. And, and we, the, the, we had diagrams on the board and the cap, space capsule and the landing gear and, I don't know, all, all kinds of stuff and the trajectory for reentry. It's fascinating. Got all said and done. I was feeling kind of good. You know, this was a great science class. And we dismissed, and, and one little girl, as she was leaving the classroom, she turned around and she looked at me and she said, Mr. Aaron... With a lot of heat, she said it. She said, Mr. Aaron, nobody ever landed on the moon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Clears that up for me. I, and, and I, and I, and I, and, but then I, but it, I, it came to me, thank the Lord. Her, her, that's what her dad thinks, very much so. And he might even be right. I don't, I'm not here to talk, argue about that. But, um, but what she was saying, had she didn't, care whether or not somebody had landed on the moon or not. I mean, when does a fourth grade girl really care about that? Um, but she cared about her dad and what her dad believed. And she also cared about her teacher and what her teacher believed. And it wasn't that she had any, it had anything to do with landing on the moon. It had everything to do with her having peace about it and her her dad being right and her teacher being right and everything working there was a uh, there was sort of a dissonance going on that she that that felt kind of uncomfortable to her and so i told her i said oh it's no problem you know what maybe they didn't land on the moon and that's just fine you don't have to believe that they did but for the sake of the test and all that ridiculous stuff you should probably write that they did you know <laughs> and and you know what she was just fine with that she went out and she she was fine with that and i think um you know, as a teacher, it would have been pretty easy for me not to hear that undercurrent. And I usually didn't, you know, but this time I think I might have. You know, the, the, it wasn't about the moon. It was about her dad and about her teacher and about getting all that getting along. And, and, and in that situation, to, to tell her about one of my friends who's a NASA scientist, who's not a friend, an acquaintance, who put the mirrors on the moon or was a part of the pro- project that did, that you can still see with a telescope from the Earth, there's... there's but that's not what she needed to hear about proof and, and how people really did land on the moon, or, or I guess didn't. It doesn't matter. Um, she wanted to have that, that cleared up. So listen to what people are saying. Try to hear their hearts. Listen to what's going on on the inside. Now, I gave you all a paper, or I tried to, about um, keeping an argument from becoming a dis or whatever it says. Suggestions to keep a disagreement from becoming an argument. And I'm not going to read any of that at all. It's not original with me. It's fantastic advice. Um, please read that and listen to it. It's, it's very, very good advice. I would love to read it, but there's a lot of other things I want to tell you. And I fear you can read this by yourselves and your teachers and very, very you know, focused, study-oriented. So keep those papers, take them home and read them. This is very, very good advice. It is not about winning I want us to get this in our minds. It's not about winning an argument. It's not about your way versus my way or my way versus your way. Let's think about it more as me, you and I together looking for the best way. 
and and searching for the best way. It might not be my way. It might not be your way. And I don't care if I'm wrong. I don't care if you're wrong. But let's do it the best way. Let's do it for the good of the student. Keep our goals in mind. It's a kind of thinking that we we want to we want to have. Work together to find the best solution. Remember, they are not your enemy. The devil wants you to think that these people that come into your classroom and yell at you are your enemies, but they're not. The devil wants you to think that he is the enemy, and he realizes that as we are a team with our parents and our board, that we're a really we're, we're a force that's hard to be. And so he wants to break that team apart. And he wants us to think of our brother as the enemy, as each other as the enemy, and, and forget that he's actually trying to drive us apart. Now, I have, want to spend a little bit of time on how do we effectively effect a change. Now, this is, you have to be careful with this. You know, we come into a, a new community, and we're sort of young, and sometimes there's things in that community, in the board, in the school culture, in all that, that, that whole deal, that might be wrong. Or maybe it's a home situation that, that's just, it, that's wrong. I mean, we sometimes see these as teachers. And, we, and we, maybe it's not always our job to try to change these things, but sometimes I think the Lord gives us, maybe it is our job to try to effect a change if something's really going wrong. And so beware, number one, beware. It's very, very delicate. We are, the, the Bible, judge not that you be not judged. Then there's the whole, the, the moat and the beam, you know, we think we see an issue and maybe it's just ourselves, you know. There's that beam inside our own eye. So be very, very careful. And we're, maybe we're young and inexperienced. We, we often are. But sometimes we see a problem that needs changing. And how, with this relationship with us, the school board, the parents, how do we change it as a teacher or try to change it? How do we effectively change it? So first thing I want us to understand, it's the easiest thing to do, is the, one of the easiest things to do is to criticize. Never, ever criticize whoever it is, the board or the, the, the parents. It puts the criticized... The one we're criticizing on the defensive. And his ears become closed to what we're trying to say. When we attack someone justly or unjustly, all they can think about is defending themselves. And that's not redemptive. That's not how to change something. That's just how to make someone very uncomfortable. Um, when we tell someone all the ways they are wrong, we strip them of their self-respect and put them on the defensive. Um, these are just facts about our human nature. When the mom comes in and, and yells at you, it puts you on the defensive. It's very, very hard to reach a solution when you're being criticized or when you're criticizing someone else. So don't do that. If we want, if we want to convince someone, first convince them that we are their friends and that we have their best interests in mind. And that needs to come from the heart. That needs to be real. Because if we just say that and, and mean something else, they're going to know that. Even before we speak, try to imagine what the other person wants and what they're afraid of. Try to put yourself in their shoes. This is, is a really big thing. Why, why, do, why, why is this problem happening? What is the fear behind it? What is, the, what is the thinking behind it? Try to understand that. Because in doing that, we'll understand what needs to be done. You know, if you want to... I, I, really, like, I really like ice cream. I like 
coffee. I like milkshakes. I like, I like all kinds of things. But if I was to go fishing, if I were to go fishing, that's not what I would bait my hook with. Because fish don't really like ice cream. I would bait it with worms or power bait or something like that because fish like worms and power bait. And it's a little bit that way with people. You know, we sort of think in terms of what we like and what we need and what we want. But if, if we want to be effective in changing the way somebody else thinks, let's try to think of what they want. Let's feed them worms if they want worms. Or chocolate maybe if they want chocolate. I don't know. But um, people are a whole lot more interested generally in what they want than what you want. I know that sounds really simple and trite, but it, it's true. Um, so what you want to do first is, is if, you're, if you want to change the way they think, you need to help them want something different. So that's a big subject, and I don't think we're going to be able to get all the way through that. But there's a beautiful little story about the sun and the north wind. We know that story. They both had a bet, and they said, we're going to take the coat off that man. And the north wind said, I'm stronger than you, son. And the sun said, no, I'm stronger than you. And so the bet was who could get the man to take his coat off. So the north wind blew and puffed and blasted the man, and all he did was pull his coat tighter. And then the sun came out and shone, and the man got warm and took his coat off. You know, warm kindness was way stronger than force and, and yelling. And, and if, you're, if you want to effect a change, if you want the man to take his coat off, be, start in a friendly way, start in a kind way. Um, emphasize again and again the things that you agree on and that you both have a common goal. Again and again, we agree we're, we're on the same team, start like that. And keep emphasizing that we are on the same team and we both have a common goal. Remember that the other person may be completely wrong, but they don't think so. We don't think it when we're wrong. We think we're right. And this is, um, I don't know, it's fundamental human, human thinking. They're not doing it wrong on purpose. They're doing it as best as they can. As, yeah. There's a, the sandwich idea. Start with something nice. If you're talking to somebody, start with something kind and nice and friendly. Then you get to the meat of the matter, that may be the meat of it that's a little painful, and, and you talk about that. And then before you stop and leave, you put some more nice things like the bread on top again. It's effective, very effective. And just tips for dealing with, with people. Always listen. Always listen and then listen again. Let them do most of the talking. Even when you, when you bring one of these change, we need to change this subjects up, you're going to hear a lot of words and listen to those words. Stop and let them talk and repeat what they say. Try to, try to truly understand what they're telling you. Try to help them see as the, the, the new idea is their idea. Uh, remember that little girl in the story, the wise little girl. Try to let, and if they think it's their idea, how wonderful can that be? You know, there it's effective. Um, what do you expect from from me as a teacher? Very good question to ask a parent who maybe there's a struggle with, or you, or maybe you expect something from them. First, ask them what they expect from you, and and when they tell you that, maybe maybe there'll be a chance for you to tell them what what you expect from them. You know, maybe come to class, don't feed them pop, 
um, or soda or Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew's a terrible thing to mix with students. And and do their homework and, and little odds and ends like that. If it, what what do we expect from each other? Use encouragement and praise. If you want people to f- perform above and beyond themselves, encourage them and praise them. Now, I just want to reaffirm again. I want to ask for a few thoughts here. I was going to tell you that in the beginning. We don't have very much time. If you have any thoughts, I'd love to hear them. Um, but I want to reaffirm again what we talked about in the beginning. These are techniques for dealing with people, and they're good techniques, and they truly do work. But if if it's coming from a heart that's deceitful, that's manipulative, that has an agenda, they're not going to be effective. So start on the inside. Start on, make it pure. Fill it with God, and then these techniques will work for dealing with people. Okay, do any of you have any thoughts or problems that you've faced or... Or, or tips for getting along with tr- with troublesome people. I really liked what you said about um, trying to understand them. The longer I teach, the more I see how that is such a right spot for misunderstanding between parents and teachers, and they are your best help if you see them that way. This is so true. Susan said, try to understand and make again and again. If you don't understand them, keep trying because they are your best asset. They are your if they can be on your team, you will you will win. That is so true. Anybody else? I really It's so true, absolutely right. And we and and it says, search your heart because your heart is deceitful and wicked. And however it says that, we are, and we're blind to our own faults. We judge. We another thing I wanted to tell you all, but I, I cut it from my notes. Um, there's so many things I had that I wanted to tell you all, but this is 45 minutes is just pathetic to try to tell you what I want to tell you. Um, but um, we judge other people by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our motives. Think about that. We meant to do it right. We didn't mean to hurt that, but we judge the other person by what they did. You know, try. let's try to judge them more leniently than that. Maybe they didn't mean it. Maybe they meant it differently than it came out. And don't believe everything your children say to you. My dad said that you are. You know, you're going to hear that. You know what, don't listen to it. Pray to God that they don't listen to everything that they your students say about you, you know. And don't listen to what they say. You're going to hear a lot of things as a teacher. Don't 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 let that affect the way you think of your parents and your. Well, I think we're about to have to close here. I want to a little closing thought here. Remember these people, this board, these teachers, the parents. We are on the same team. They want you to succeed. They want success as much as you do. Maybe even more. They have the same goals as you do, and they want to work with you. Now, this is maybe as a rule. There are exceptions. We have met the exceptions probably. But as a rule, this is true. Even some of the exceptions we think of might not be exceptions. This is mostly true. We must work together. 
Because only together can we achieve our goal. Only together as a team can we succeed. We can't do it alone. Remember, the lions we fear are actually friends waiting to be made if we choose to invest our time and energy and love into their lives. Be the bridge builder. Be the change that you want to see in your community. God's lo- God says that how we show we love Him is by how, how we show the world that we love Him is by how we love each other. How you, st- how you show your students your love for God is by how you love each other and the parents and the board. Go with God. Go in His strength. Build bridges of love and compassion to the hurting people that God will bring into your life and into your classroom this year. God bless you all. You are dismissed.